chapter, today is July 6th, this chapter experiences and experiencing, even though it's very short and straightforward, in a sense, it's the whole of practice. And there's nothing, you could just stay with this chapter, and that would be enough to keep you going for a lifetime of practice. Um, of course, this chapter builds on previous ones and will continue to be built on. And we humans like, um, what should I say, um, variety. Sometimes we can't hear it one way, but we could hear it another way. So, nevertheless, I'll say it again that this chapter in a sense, is the whole of our practice. Um, Very simple and straightforward. I remember before I go on talking about this chapter, I want to repeat. Next week is Sashin, and the week after I will not have returned here, so I won't be here until July 27th. So we won't have another class until July 27th. Nevertheless, um, we don't need anything else because everything is here. And everything is here because Joko makes it very clear that the point is to be able to clarify the difference between experiences and experiencing. And if we know that for ourselves, then we can see when experiences and all that we do with that in a sense hinders us from the experiencing that is our life. Or, as Joko puts it, the experiencing that is not a matter of space or time. Now, we don't have to go to anything so fancy, but that's important to know. Because experiencing is what being alive is our opportunity. And when we miss experiencing, or when we believe the the things we say, hold, build on, as our experiences, then that often leads us to doing things that creates trouble and difficulties for ourselves and for others. And when we're unclear on what experiencing is, that's especially the time when we need to make practice effort in whatever is skillful and supportive for us so that we don't get blinded and miss our life experience. Okay. I will stop here since we've got plenty to explore just in this and in what she says. Now, as I said, this builds on previous. So if you want to talk about the previous week's chapter of what we call preparing the ground, that's fine. And if we just stay with this experiences 
and experiencing, that's wonderful. Um, in a sense, all the things we do in the Zendo, whether it's Zazen or whether it's service with doing the Heart Sutra or the Enmei Juku Kanon Gyo, the Ten Claws Kanon Sutra, which is all just about experiencing. That's the whole of what that sutra is about. Ten clauses, that's just different ways of talking about experiencing, of clarifying and encouraging, supporting experiencing, or anything else. So, I'll stop now, and we can begin clarifying and um, exploring this further. any of this uh, close quote fear or however that comes up for you because that's also your opportunity of experiencing because that can become a story about what I will or won't be with uh, or what I should or shouldn't do about this See, experiencing includes him talking about whatever he talks about and your being with that and also making choices with that. See, experiencing isn't some pure, somewhere else special, but it's moment, moment, our life. And you're going to find all sorts of fascinating and sometimes not so fascinating and maybe even not so likable aspects that 
you wish weren't there. Or likable stories that you wish you didn't have to listen to or listen to a second time. Um, so. <laughs> you said that, not me. <laughs> so, but it's important to see that experiencing isn't something special and unusual, but it's uh, it's moment moment life, and our tendency to turn it into experiences or stories is another human tendency, and it's also our opportunity not to stay tangled in that tendency. Now, of course, new relationships bring all sorts of excitement and of maybe fear, maybe not fear, um, and all sorts of interesting, I'll say, toys to play with in different ways. I use the word toys in a general way, not not in any uh, judgmental way or anything like that, because that's what our life is, all sorts of toys that we get to play with. Some of them are physical, some of them are mental, emotional, and, and our choice is always go, what should I say, being able to see where experiencing flips into experiences and what we do with it when we turn it into that, or where it's not so skillful when we've done that. Um, um, As Joko puts it, and she's uses a slightly different terms to talk about it. Um, she says, it's easy for us to talk about this process. This is on page 120, the next to the last paragraph. It's easy for us to talk about this, this process, but there's nothing that we are less interested in doing than demolishing our fantasy structures. In other words, the fantasy structures is all the stories we put onto about our so-called experiences or that we articulate in our so-called experiences. Um, and the fantasy structure might be a so-called positive, juicy, enticing, alluring what we want, or they might be terrible, un appealing, I don't want this, I, this shouldn't happen to me, etc. So, and new situations give us the opportunity to both see that where habits come up, habits that we might have for new situations or old stories that we bring into it, or the fascination fantasy that we bring to this new one. So, enjoy and enjoy the opportunity to see what what might show up that usually doesn't show up on 
your our radar. Well, thank you. I, I must say it's a wonderful practice. Good. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Anyone? Yeah, Mel, would you talk a little bit about a sentence? It's on page 118, and... Yeah, it looks like it's in the second paragraph about the middle. Uh, entwined around each experience, there may be a slight halo or a neurotic emotional veil. Often the veil takes the form of memories, fantasies, or hopes for the future. Uh, it's this veil that's interesting to me. Yeah, or if I'll add on to that, or fears um, uh, about... Uh, the future or fears about the past or um, daydreams. In other words, veil implies something through which we see reality or we allow ourselves to encounter reality. See, and it's those, as she puts it, association that we bring to experiencing, which is, you know, just part of being human. But if they blind us, if we believe them as the way the experiencing is, we believe the interpretation that those veils bring, then we get entangled in the veils and we miss the experiencing. We miss what's going on because, I won't say because of what, because. And it's ours to discover what it is we're doing to the extent that there are those um, veils that entwine I like to use the word entangled, but it's okay. doesn't make a difference what word we use. And it's not that the entwining, entangling is something other than the present moment, and yet it sometimes becomes that for us. So that's what she's alerting us to. Um, Can you give a, could you give an example? An, a, like a specific example of something, whether it's your own thing or something you've heard of, that would that would really well. Let's. I think that might help me get this. Let's let's just go back one step, if Delinda doesn't mind. Uh, she was talking about having a new relationship and having the person talking about. Uh, so-called past events and past whatever. Now, I don't know what, what she was referring to, but let us say you started to hear that, put yourself in that situation, and all of a sudden you notice yourself thinking, oh no, this is going to be another, oh, this means, and I'm not going to fill in more than that, but when we, in a sense, 
add on conclusions, assumptions, beliefs um, about what is happening, let us say, what the person is saying, what the person is doing or is not doing, how the person reacts to an offer we made, or, you know, um, for instance, I'll make up something simple. Um, that would be good. <laughs> you, you, you say, well, how about we go out to a restaurant? And he says, and I'm just saying he because it was Delinda who brought that up, and she said he, um, and he says, yeah, I'd love to go to a restaurant, but you know, I don't want to go to a, to one that, that, that serve. I want to go to one that serves only very good wine. Or he says, I don't want to go to one that serves wine because they're always more expensive and the food's not so good. Or he says, um, you know, I'd love to go to a restaurant, but the ones here in Springfield are really terrible. Maybe we can go to some good ones in Chicago, but the Springfield or whatever. I'm just making up a story. That's just a... F- and right away, hearing that person say that, we have a story about what this must mean, what he must be like, or what he is not like, or how can I put up with this? I'm going to miss all... Now, I just came up with that based on what she just yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The veils are individual ones. They're not the ones that I give, and they're not some formulaic. They're us noticing. It's out of being present and noticing that whatever veils come up at this moment, and there isn't any predicting, even if we can say, oh yeah, I have the habits about this and that, we can't predict unless we're present what is going to arise? If we're present, then all sorts of things can arise. They arise out of this mystery that is our life. We could say they arise out of the past, but we never know where they come from, truly, unless we insist that it, this is the way, when someone says this to me, this is the way I have to think about it, which is another you know, rigidity in a sense. So that's what... Yeah. The veils are. And that's very clear. Good. And and it's valuable for us to notice them but not or or at least I was gonna say not add on to them, but that's fine. Notice if we add on to them, oh this veil again. Why is this here again? <laughs> that's another veil. That's a veil on top of the veil, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah. And they arise of themselves. There's no blame in their arising. The arising is the opportunity of cause and effect that life gives us at this moment. And the cause and effect arising of this moment is our life opportunity to manifest experiencing rather than treated as an experience, even a, a veil experience that we're veiling right now and therefore get entangled in. Uh, you know, yes. in, that, in that same sentence, uh, slight halo, what, is that the same as a veil or are we talking about? Yeah, it, it, could, it, it could be a... a, a 
of another form of a veil. In other words, we, um, uh, what should I say, privilege certain things. Sometimes we think, oh, it's wonderful, you know, uh, um, we add a halo, wonderful story about when, when this comes up or when, well, you know, in a new relationship, there's the halo honeymoon period. Um, when, <laughs> I don't know if it's there for you, but for some people that occurs in a new relationship. So a halo, but a halo could also be a negative halo. But a halo is, a, is another way where what's going on gets um, an added something from our our past or our stories. Now, there's nothing wrong with those when they come up, because they come up. But if we beget, get entwined in them, or we get in trouble with them, or if we privilege certain things for them, then that much privileging entwining gets us potentially into trouble and causes trouble for others. Um, but I think it's important just take the word, the phrase and see, you know, is there something that, that where that applies to? For instance, when certain people speak on in the media, do you add a halo to them? Or if you turn it the other way, do you add a you know a halo is, is what you have above saints? Well, the other side is, do you wear devil's horns to them? I mean, I'm using that image because she used the image. And it might not be something we notice. But, if, if it's so, then it's important to notice it. So, Joko uses halo, we could use halo, we could use devil's horn, or we could use other things that we add on, we entwine the experiencing of the person or of the event with that um, prejudgment, that prejudice, that belief, which in a sense removes us from the experiencing, except if we could notice that and treat that as our experiencing, how that haloing comes up bodily experientially for us, how that devil's horns come up, how that forked tongue comes up, or whatever story you give. I, I picked those which are sort of crude phrases, but they fit in with what Joko um, said. In fact, um, what's it called? There's a movie which I think is very nice, a very nice movie that, that's useful in practice called Inside Out. It's a cartoon. Yes, yeah. And if you've never seen it, I recommend it. Um, it. You know, it's not, it's something you could be familiar with, but it's fun. But it's also fun because you can almost literally see, I don't remember that they used halos and devil's horns, but they use things like that to 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 help illustrate the mind habits that hinder us from being this experiencing life that we are. Um, so, if, 
you know, it's probably available easily online now because it's several years old. Um, I think it's called, uh, am I right? Is that what it's called, Inside Out? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I have an example uh, that might fit in with this halo and neurotic emotional veil. Um, Sometimes when visiting older people, they like very much to live in the past and you keep getting the same story. Uh-huh. You know, memory story every time. Um, and you can see they are, they really are experiencing it. Yes. Yeah, and my experience can sometimes be, oh, when can I get a cup of coffee, you know. Um, <laughs> this sort of reaction so that uh-huh. I can at least, you know, be present. <laughs> yeah, yes. But that's very good for us yeah. to notice what we're adding on to them telling so-called the same story over again. Because that's our um, emotional veil that we're... And it's a neurotic emotional veil that we're putting on to them telling the same story. Is Oh no, again I've got to hear this? Yeah, that's the And in a way, imagine if you were sitting Zazen and every time you had the same mind chatter or whatever come up and you said oh again I've got to hear this (laughs) treat being with people as a Zen that's no matter who they are whether they're an old person who repeats the same stories that they repeated last week when you visited them or two weeks ago or whether it's the store clerk when you're checking out or whether it's and you fill in the next. Treat it as a Zazen opportunity. If you're adding on something about it, notice that. Notice what you add on and what you're doing when you notice that you're adding that on. What you insist on. Just notice it. It's neither good nor bad. It's just a habit. And yet, and yet, as Joko says, it can become a entwining a neurotic emotional veil or a halo I really like that idea of treating it as zazen that, that, that's really helpful I, I, today I had a thing where I was once again in a, in a whole wrapped up entangled in, in a whole bunch of obsessive thoughts about someone I work with um resentful, you know, thoughts, thoughts, this person is this, this person is so that, and everything, and, and I, I mean, I was noticing it, but it was very hard to, um, it was just very hard to kind of not, not believe it, and to not be entangled in it, and um, I think that thinking of it as just, yeah, think, thinking of it as Zazen, um, I mean, of course, I, I've thought about about that before, but just the fact of you saying that right now is is really helpful as I think about what I was trying to do today as I saw these obsessive thoughts, this same train of thought over and over again about this person. Um, so. Good. 
Good. Yeah. I'd like to go back to um, that uh, section on 120 that you mentioned, uh, that second paragraph where it says, it's easy for us to talk about this process, but there's nothing that we're less interested in doing than demolishing our fantasy structures. Uh-huh. We have a secret fear that if we demolish them, all we can demolish ourselves. And then juxtapose that with the poem on 121 by Auden, you know, uh, you know, we'd rather be ruined than changed, rather die in our dread, and then climb the crust of the moment, let our illusions die, which yes. I think, right? Um, and I think it's kind of interesting to look sometimes at where, um, say, um, look at the fantasy structures, and, you know, realize that that's what they are, and, you know, how, just let them go a bit and see, you know, what comes up. Um, so recently, for example, I've sort of been, um, just, I've had a little more time, so one of the things I wanted to do with my time um, was to sort of re-immerse myself in yoga, uh, which had always been an interest of mine, but I never really had the time to do do it in a way that somebody like me with my body type, uh, but I'm just a little stiff in certain places, so I really have to spend some time with that. But I could do it. But but um, like I was at the class this week, um, and um, we were going to do something, and I knew that there wasn't a pose that I could do without a prop. And my teacher knew it too, and I just kind of waited, and then she had somebody bring over the prop, and you know. But it was so much more pleasant than if I had been. Continuing to be in that fantasy structure of, I gotta do it the way everybody else is doing it. I gotta, you know, pretend that my, that my, my stretching is more nimble than it really is, which I know it isn't. At least right now, now that could change. And that's a simple example. There are other examples of fantasies that I've carried around sometimes, and every once in a while I'll notice them, and be able to just, you know, turn away from that. That's my terminology. Um, and it's just, uh, it's, it's just kind of interesting to explore that sometimes. Yes, yes. And and that's very good, a class like yoga. I do a, a foam roller class once a week. And a foam roller in some ways is like yoga with postures, but it's using a foam roller as the primary support, but not the only one. And physically, there's sometimes things you can't do. Oh, I can't do. And sometimes I have can only do it a certain extent. And, of course, it, there's a lot of pain involved at certain points. But that's just part of it. Um, and if we aren't okay with, let's say, in your case, using a prop because I shouldn't have to use a prop after all, I mean, I should, I used to be able to do this or whatever story we tell ourselves. No one else is using a prop. Why me? They'll think whatever they'll think about me. That much we're not willing to be present as the physical, mental moment condition of the universe. That's my body doing this posture. That's my legs stretching or not stretching, being able to do this or not do this. 
and we have these um, physical pain reminders of what we can or can't do. We have these other reminders by uh, falling off or not being able to maintain it or whatever. And right there we get to see what we're adding on to what's called for out of being this moment, which is, we'd rather be ruined than changed in that poem. In other words, we'd rather fall off, be in more pain, whatever, than just do the prop or ask for the prop or whatever. We'd rather die in our dread than be this moment and see what's needed to be this moment. One of the aspects, whether it's in terms of sitting upright, sitting still, encountering people, or doing a a yoga class, or anything else, is that the universe, inside, outside, is constantly changing. And ours is to embody this constant changing as it is, as opposed to our story about I am doing this thing and therefore ought to do it through the veil of how I know it should or shouldn't be. Uh, this is Cindy, and um, the um, practice opportunities that I've had lately have to do with um, my physical body and how I believe things should or shouldn't be. Um, with, um, I, I, I've had a difficult time seeing that the thought this shouldn't be happening or this can't be happening or it shouldn't be this way. I've had a difficult time seeing that um, as a thought, as it relates to um, what's happening uh, physically, I was uh, in Italy for four weeks teaching a class, and either before I left or sometime while I was there, I uh, broke a bone in my foot and didn't know that for a couple of weeks and was walking on it and then found out that I had a broken bone. And... Um, during that whole time that my foot was hurting, I, 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 and I, it was hard to even see that as a thought. It was just this, this can't be happening. This shouldn't be happening. Um, I don't know. Somehow it, it seemed different than the kind of emotional reaction I might have to hearing somebody that I'm close to saying something or doing something that I don't like. Um, I, uh, somehow those are I don't know just I don't know I have more experience or something with those and they're a bit easier to see but this this ongoing pain and not knowing what was going on and and um, that that it was hard it was hard to see that um, and so this morning I had a uh, outpatient surgery for a unrelated something unrelated to my foot 
and there I was in the hospital, and I, I was aware of this stream of thoughts. I can't believe I'm here. This shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be here. This shouldn't be happening. And I just really, really worked at um, just noticing that and um, uh, uh, being as physically present. Um, after they hooked me up to an IV, then I needed to go to the bathroom. So it was a whole big thing to, you know, get the IV bag and me and the bathroom and and that thought was there oh my gosh this shouldn't be happening I shouldn't be I shouldn't be having to do this and then I just um I relied on your suggestion Elhu about you know thinking about this as Sashin and okay you're in Sashin and it happens to be in the hospital and you've got this bag attached to you and you need to manage that somehow um but it's been um it's been a um, well. It's it's been a it's been an interesting experience. I uh, I didn't realize how much I took for granted um, being able to uh, move in my body and for my body to feel a certain way. How much I took that for granted, and um, so. Um, I, I really appreciated this chapter, the the poem by Auden, and then the the verse that Joko quoted about um, unceasing change turns the wheel of life. I I found um, both of those just are I, they're just so clear and so direct. So thank you. Good. Good. Anyone else want to say something? Uh, the the next week the next chapter we're gonna do is Icy Couch, which in a sense builds on this this one, just as this one built on the previous one. In this in a sense you could connect all three of them together. And since we're having a session in between, I want to encourage you to read the Icy Couch if you're going to session, and even if you're not, and then you could read it again just before we have the class on the 27th. And meanwhile, see how both this experience experiencing and this icy couch how they in a sense are intertwined in the practice of being this moment in your practice life or in the practice of discovering the veils and the uh, barriers or the halos or the devil's horns that we add on to various circumstances and events, whether they're so-called outside or inside, whether they're so-called our own or others. So be attentive to that and make use of that. And uh, 
we will resume on the 27th. If you, if anyone has any last words that they want to bring up, please do. Any last comments? This is your chance. And if not, I hope I see you at Sashin. Um, and if you can only attend part of it, please do that. And if you can attend all of it, please do that. And if you can't, then just consider yourself part of it at a distance. Thank you all. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Jamio, could you stay on the line a minute? Yes. Okay.